Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Maron. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck? What the fuck, Anucks? Yeah. This is WTF live from the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal, Canada. Is that how you say it? Or is there a where part of Canada are we in? Quebec. Quebec. So Montreal, Quebec, Canada. All right, let's not just stop the momentum here. All right, don't, everyone was laughing and clapping, and I act like an asshole. Now, what, we're here? This is what we're doing? We have to get this show. We got an hour to do this show. And as you know, I'll usually noodle on about myself for at least 20 minutes until people are like, all right, we know you have problems. And then, you know, you gradually bring guests out and have a very sort of, you know, non-time specific thing for each guest. But we're on a very tight schedule. And I I don't have much to, to, I can't use the time up front to meander and, and just, you know, talk about myself. That being said... I'm happy to be up here. I, I come up here a lot. I like Montreal. It's beautiful. I don't really know what's going on in the city. I know that, uh, that you insist that your bagels are better. I don't know. Um, I know that you insist that the smoked meat is better. Okay. Uh, I think what you're insisting is that somehow Canadian Jews are better than ours. And I, I don't know if that's true from my experience. Uh, I have uh, experienced something that I am enjoying a lot, which is the French mispronunciation of my name. Um, it's, it's fucking great. Like, my name, for some reason, like, you look at it, it's M-A-R-O-N. How would you pronounce that? Marin. There's no other way to pronounce that. No, that, well, that's right, but, but for in my entire life, people insist that I'm Irish with Moran, uh, or they say Marin, or Moran, or Moron, ha-ha. But, um, but now I was, I was at the airport at the gate, and the woman's like, uh, could Mr. Maron please come to the counter? I'm like, I think that's me. I am Mr. Maron. And I'm like that. Like, why don't I pronounce it like that? Because then people will start speaking French to me and then I got to look like that idiot. Like, I, I feel ashamed of my... I just want you to know this as, as a place that speaks French, that I am not a, like an angry American and in insisting that people know how to speak English because everyone knows how to speak English. But I feel like a fucking idiot when that moment comes where someone starts speaking in French and then I go, uh, no... No. Or you just sort of try to carry on the conversation. I'll have the hamburger. And then they're like, and it's that moment where they look at you and go, Ugh. like that, that's the, the part that I feel bad about. There's that beat where they're like, oh, one of them. Um, maybe I'm reading into it. I don't know. But Maron, I'll stick with that. What else? I'll read one email because I actually found one. We have a great show, by the way. Thank you for coming. It's nice to see you. Thanks for fucking up my imaginary picture. This is an email I'm going to read you. And it was, it was sort of Canada-specific, so I thought I lucked out. So I'm taking my afternoon nap. Nothing better, right? I have a dream that I'm hanging out with you in a hotel lobby like we're best friends or something. I notice the band Rush is there and immediately begin, begin freaking out because they are one of my favorites. Alex Leifson. Is that how you pronounce it? Leifson. Thank you, Rushhead. Um, I don't <laughs> Alex Lifeson is propped up against a glass door talking on the phone. Like the douche that I am, I approach him to strike up a conversation. You somehow appear behind the glass door and pretend to dry hump him. (laughs) When he notices, you play it off like it didn't happen. Alex calls you on it and you get all defensive and then go off on a rant and storm off. He looks at me for an explanation, and I explain sometimes you get like that. Which just tips Alex off that you and I are connected. Later in the dream, I try to get a picture with the band. Giddy and Neil are cool with it, but Alex will have nothing to do with me. I can only assume he doesn't like to be pretend dry humped behind a glass door. Great. I was going to have my picture taken with my favorite band, if only in my mind, and you fucked it all up by being a prankster. If we ever meet, I'm going to either pretend to dry hump you or get my picture taken with you. Although if I could see you pretend dry hump Alec Lifeson, I'd take that instead. Darren. That was very nice of Darren. Rush is like, they're from here. I know that. And and I'd like to consider that a contribution to music, except that I did not like them. 
I have no problem with them. They're very experienced musicians. They're, they seem to be getting a lot done on stage, and they make a point of that. There's a lot of equipment involved. There's a certain attitude to it. But uh, quite honestly, oh, I don't even know if I've told this story. Here's my Rush story, and it has to do with Alex Lifeson. Is it Lifeson? Fine. I ended up seeing Rush three or four times in high school because my best friend was into Rush, and I, I couldn't wrap my brain around it. Then one time, I worked for a company that catered concerts, and Rush was the concert, and we got the food prepared for them. And we're just food guys. We're just serving food to fucking rock stars, right? But Alec Lifeson apparently likes to practice on a classical guitar before he goes on stage. So he sits in a little room by himself. I even think he had one of those silly classical guitar wooden foot things that you rest your foot on. And he's just noodling around in there. And, and then my, the guy who runs the restaurant I work for goes, Alex needs a fan because he's hot. Could you drive to my house 25 miles away and get Alex a fan so he can play comfortably? And I'm like, we're serving fucking food. Why is this my problem? And he's like, do you want a job? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, go get Alex a fan. So I drove 25 miles and back and brought Alex's fan. And that's why I don't like Rush. All right, let's do it. Let's get this show going. My first guest is uh, the anchor on Weekend Update on SNL, Saturday Night Live. He is now transitioning into a new job where he has to actually talk to people. Please welcome Seth Myers to the stage. Thank you. Hello, Seth. Go? Do I sit on the couch? How far again? away are you going to be? I feel like here, right? You want to sit I, there? I feel like this is too far for a That's guest. probably a little far. So I got to go But here. you know what? I, you know, in stagecraft, I think it would balance things out if you were way over there, but I don't, that's fine. That, if it was for just for radio, yeah. I could sit there. No, but there are people here right in front so of I us. So I think I got to stay here. Yeah. It's nice to see you. It's good to see you again as do, well. Do you come to Canada often? I don't come that often, no. Are you afraid? I'm not afraid. I, well, I grew up like four hours south of here in New Hampshire, and so we used to come up here like when we were 18. Just to get fucked up? Well, yeah. <laughs> for, for galas. Uh-huh. For comedy galas. Wait, so you're... <laughs> yeah, there's galas all over the country. Yeah, but so, in America, you have to be 21 to go to galas. Uh, so here... Oh, so it was 18 up here? It was 18, yeah. It still, still is. is? Yeah. No wonder there's so much trouble walking around. Yeah. So, as what? an 18-year-old driving through the border, you think you're going to get asked more questions about right. why you're coming? Like, right. you forget it's legal to drink here, so you get really tight <laughs> at the border? Like, 18, going to Montreal. All right, let me get, what you, what's your parents' number? <laughs> so, wait, so you guys would just drive up to get shit-faced? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yes, I mean, I would love to pretend not, but yeah. yes. And then drive back, just sort of like the with next one day. eye covered, yeah. so you could see the road properly? And just like, we're, we're like all, I mean, it's adventurous. I yeah, mean, you absolutely. really want to get fucked up. Which you really did, want it if you got to drive four which hours. Which town did you go to? Uh, here. Oh, you just came to Montreal. Yeah. Did you, now, was there, was there strip clubs involved? We in didn't that? go to strip clubs. Yeah. We weren't that cool. You weren't that cool? Or yeah. Or that craven? It's a fine line. Yeah, craven, I guess. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But for not so, making it about cool. So what did you do? Just wander around, drink? Yeah, we would just wander, wander around back. and find beer, beer and stuff. And do, you, do you speak French? No, but my mother is... Uh, you brought your I mother should. with you? I, sh- I could have. My mother... <laughs> Mom, we're going to go get fucked up. Can you come translate for us? But then, like, once you order for us, you got to get out of the way. I don't want you to just be hovering. You order? And then out. Out. Wait in the car. You're driving. And then we'll be out, and then we'll drive to the next place. You come in. You order. Back in the car. Uh, my mom's a middle school French teacher, so she would, she would kill it here. And you don't know French? I, and I don't know French, and she was my middle school French teacher. I took it for years in high school, like four years in high school, a year in college, terrible. So you're actually, as if your mother's your teacher, you have to rebel somehow. I, yeah. So were you like just like a disappointment? I was a terrible student all in, across all. Uh, Was there ever a moment where you're in class and your mom's like, has you say or read what you're supposed to do? And there was that, Seth Myers. No. Son. My mom's a real softy. And my, our house was like the house all the kids would come to. Uh, so she knew like all the kids in the class oh, okay. and so it was impossible it was like people she'd already it was very hard to like yell at people you've already like made waffles what for I... after slumber parties <laughs> so so what did she and she still didn't give you a good grade did she... I'm sure she like bumped it up a little bit <laughs> and my brother who was a great student she gave him like French student of the year like it was an award at our, at our school that Holy you give shit. out and I was like you can't do that yeah and she's completely blind to any like motherly like <laughs> Having that sort of uh, was, oh, so he did he uh, what did he end up doing that he's, guy my brother yeah he's a he's a comedian and actor as well he's out in L A 
Oh, really? Yeah. So both of you didn't, you know, so that didn't pay off for either of you. No, it turns out you, you, you can know French, you can not know French, you're going to still go into this crazy <laughs> into, business of into comedy. show business. <laughs> yeah. Are, you, are they all right with it? Is your mother happy about it? My parents are thrilled, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. All right, so, all right, so you're transitioning out yeah. of, this, of this anchor position. Yeah. This is a big job, Seth. It is a big job, yeah. Now, like, I know that I, I'm not going to ask you to talk smack on Lauren Michaels. I know he's your benefactor yeah. and the king of show business. The king of show and business. And you have absolutely nothing but lovely things to say no, about him. No, he is slowly taking over show business. He's like a Canadian sleeper cell. <laughs> like, he like went up there and he's very slowly built. And then like all of a sudden you can see like very like subtle at first like pro-Canadian messaging and late night television across all. And you realize, oh, we gave him too much power. <laughs> It is pretty fucking amazing, isn't it? It's amazing that you He's could, got the Tonight Show, and he's moving it to New York. You, for, I, he's a guy... I mean, he is the phoenix in that, like, he, there's so many times that people have written, certainly about SNL, yeah. it's over, it's over, you sure. know, he's lost his... And, like, he, you could argue now he's got more pull than in any time in his career, oh, which yeah. is crazy. He's Lauren Michaels. He is Lauren Michaels. He's, yeah. like, the king of everything. Yeah. So, he's shitty, though, somehow. No, he's not. All right. <laughs> I, he's, I will say this. Yeah. Because I feel like I need to give you something. No, no one <laughs> no, ever I, does. I'm just baiting all of you till he takes notice and, right. has, and he does my fucking podcast. Like, all I want, I think I need personal closure. I would like it if he just had me in his office, sat me down, I set up my mics, and he goes, I really need you to shut the fuck up. That would be spectacular. Wow. I will look, I, nobody wants... Lauren on WTF more than I do. Really? I would love it. Well, that would be a you, fascinating Will hour. you see him? You'll, can you call him? Can we call him now? Can we mic him? There's no way... There's no, literally no way he would take my call. I can't call him because he would think something terrible had happened. I've never called this him. This is terrible. This is not terrible. D- tell him... So- I'm, not, I'm not saving my like. I'm, I'm calling Lauren for the first time when I'm under arrest in a foreign country. Like, I'm not... Waiting because like this guy. Is there a has cop something. in here? Can we get this going? <laughs> one cop. All I need is one Canadian cop to arrest Seth Myers on this show, and we can call Lauren Michaels from this venue right now. Come on, he was drinking underage in, in your country. No, legally. No, no, legally. you were seventeen. Here legally. You were seventeen. Here legally, you were seventeen. <laughs> I got a fake. I got a fake to make me eighteen. So see, come. see. What? No, you no. didn't have a fake one. No. So what were you going to tell me? Uh, I think Lauren is just slightly. Um, I do think as a person who it's very hard for people to wrap their head around he's a little shy when you first meet him so that's your big of, that's the big dish well no I'm just you're saying you're, you're like oh my god you heard it here first Lauren Michaels is shy <laughs> Look, the scandal in, in Canada that's scandalous we have different level of what counts as scandal here I believe that I believe that's true he's shy and extremely calculating and powerful and evil on some level I just said shy and you spun it out now you made it sound like I set up the rest. Look, I'm a very shy person, but that doesn't stop me from engaging in a negative way. That's true. That's true. So what I'm saying is, with that mathematics, that you're saying Warren Michaels is an evil guy. No. <laughs> no, I, I, I appreciate your attempt to, uh, to say something negative that didn't really happen. Right. And, and I don't really want negativity. I just like, it's my belief, and I'm, I'm slowly believing that it's untrue, that inside everybody is just this angry, horrible little thing that is screaming all the time. Right. I don't necessarily think I have that. <laughs> <laughs> I will so, say, I, don't get me wrong, I, don't, I want you to, like, for five years, I had, I know I've been on, this is my, I've been on SNL for 12 years. For five years, I had very little relationship with Lauren. I was yeah. terrified by him. He was just a guy you walked by and tried walked by, to... And a lot of times, he made decisions that I was really unhappy about yeah. as far as you know, how we, we did the stuff I had written for the show. Having gotten to the other side of that and watching him do it to other people, like, I do think he has a plan. I do think he believes that you have to... The audience has to know you to a certain degree before you can succeed with certain kind of sketches. And so what I thought was like just cruelty is actually like a guy who I think really does know how that show works. Right, so well, that's sort of like, you know, parents. Yes. Where you're like, fuck you, dad, and then years later, it's like, thank God he told me not to do that. Absolutely. Well, there were things that I, you know, as a writer on the show my first five years, I would keep resubmitting. Keep right. resubmitting. And, and you like, like, he didn't know? Like, you kept turning in the same paper? Well, no, you're allowed to resubmit on the show. Oh. You can like say, like, I think it'll work better with yeah. this host. And then... Um, you know, now on the other side of it, when there are people who keep resubmitting, you just want to sit them down and go, we're never going to do this sketch. <laughs> you, every time you turn this in as you're writing for the week, you are stealing money from a network. 
Which isn't the worst people to steal from. But still. <laughs> that's right. A lot of people make an entire life out of that. That's true. That's true. All right, so here's what I'm going to do with Seth because he is going to be a talk show host. I'm going to sort of, like, I, I, I want to help you somehow. Thank you. So if I do it, because I'm, you know, I'm not the, the greatest interviewer and sometimes I, I miss beats. So I thought it'd be good practice for you when I have guests up here. I'll toss to you. Okay. You know, when, when I'm done. Okay. And you can try to like use these, hone these new skills of mine. Yeah. Okay, great. I mean, do you have those skills? I mean, I know I, you. I, you I'm, I feel pretty. I feel like it'll be good. I, but you're nervous about it, right? I mean, I'm yeah. terrified, yeah. All right. So Seth is going to stay up here, and uh, that's Seth Meyers, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! You don't have to go so far away. All right, do what you want. I think this... All right, all right. I feel like this is the right staging. All right, this... Na- <laughs> do you want, I do. Do you want, I feel do you want to host your own show on that couch? When you're done one? introducing your next guest, I'll introduce my first guest. <laughs> And on uh, late stage left with Seth Myers. <laughs> oh, you got to call a show that. Stage left with St- Seth Myers. This is weird, right? I feel like we should be doing Godot or something right now. <laughs> My next guest is a very funny man. He's been on the show before. He has some amazingly crass and wonderful stories. Please welcome the, the, uh, the lovely Big Jay Okerson to the stage. <laughs> Big Jay, take your time getting up here, Jay. That's all right. Just amble up at your own pace. Thank you, buddy. Look at that. It's Big J. Tell us, tell us, give us some heroic adventures of horror that you've had. I, the, last time I, when, the last time I saw you before you did my show the first time was up here in that strip bar doing your one-man show. Oh, the tranny strip bar. <laughs> yeah. I like to feel at home when I'm telling stories. <laughs> <laughs> Is it weird to have a co-host on either side yeah. of me? No, it's going to work out fine. Yeah, Ed McMahon never had a microphone. <laughs> but all he had to do was laugh. It's true. So wait, okay, so trannies, do you still call them that? Do I still call them that? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I know they're by name now, so I say Diane. <laughs> I would say, hey, tranny. I'm like, hey, Diane slash Jim. <laughs> I got my dick touched by a tranny once. Once? Once. Uh-huh. It was more than touched, but... <laughs> It was tugged, actually. <laughs> but I wasn't into it, if that makes it seem less gay. <laughs> it, was so, in a, it was in a porn store, uh-huh. and she, uh, I, I thought it was a girl. Yeah. I shouldn't have, but I did. Yeah. Maybe I wanted to believe. <laughs> yeah. okay. And I was in a porn store. I was just killing time, because that's what I had to do. I, got, here's what I, I drove to Times Square sure. to do a show. Sure. I drove, right. and I found parking way quick. Yeah. But I gave myself like an hour. <laughs> and uh, I found parking right away. I was like, well, I got to kill some time. I'm in Times Square. Yeah. I'll go into a porn store. Sure. And there was what I believed to be a woman in there. Yeah. Which was uncomfortable because I was looking at some pretty... I was in the German section. Yeah. I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Filthy, filthy. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm not going to buy anything. I had the internet. I'm not broke. So... <laughs> I'm just trying to see what, you know, looking for some keywords to look up later. <laughs> but wait, but you look at, when you look at that German porn, it's, it's out of morbid fascination. It's not sort of like, I need this. Yeah, I'm not into it. <laughs> I'm not not into it. But I'm not looking at it for the same reason I'm looking at, like, a hot chick fucking a dude. Like, I want to yeah. see, like, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Someone for money will let someone else shit on them? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> and if they're going to do it, someone's got to watch it. <laughs> So why not help out? That's yeah. your angle. It's called helping the cause. Yeah. yeah. If we don't keep scat porn alive, <laughs> where does no it one's go? Gonna. This, yeah. is, this is a world where all expressions should be engaged and excited. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I felt judged by this woman. Mm-hmm. And she goes, what are you doing here? Which is a weird question to ask in a porn store. Yeah. And I was like. So she didn't say you found parking fast. Let me guess. <laughs> no, she didn't know. <laughs> I've seen your type before. You found a spot right away. Yeah. In, in fairness, <laughs> very good. That's very good. I don't Seth Meyers. This is going to help him so much. He's going to do great. It's, it's great. I think when you're in a porn store, uh, and you know, and a girl starts, it's a weird question. It's what are you doing? Like I'm looking, and I don't look like I'm super out of place in a porn store. <laughs> Yeah. I wasn't wearing like a suit and like, oh, wow, some executive decided to wander into the German porn section. No, you're the kind of guy that people are like, he works here. He's just yeah. off right now. Yeah. For a second, she's like, what are you doing here? I was going to be like, why, do you need some help? I'm not the guy, but I know this place pretty well. 
What are you yeah. looking for? The rubber fist downstairs, aisle three. I've pyrused them before. Um, she, uh, she says, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm looking at porn." And then so I kind of, I'm trying to turn, take the power back. Yeah. I go, "What are you doing here?" And she goes, "Well, I'm here. I, uh, I service men in the back booths." Now I say this only because I'm a piece of shit enough to tell you. Yeah. If I was interested in doing this, I would just say that. I was like, oh, how much? Because I want to do it. Right. I was saying how much? Because I got 45 minutes to kill. Yeah. And I want to just get this fucking weird back room of a porn store hooker story. Right. So you're, you're, you're rationalizing this as research. Yeah. I mean, I maybe it. I'll go talk about it No after. desire in your heart for this thing. What, am I going to jump into it with a tranny? I, I don't even know. No. Yes. Yes. I was still calling this one tranny. Whatever, tranny. <laughs> But I thought it was a girl. And she goes, I service men in the back booths. And I go, how much? What does that cost? <laughs> Pure research. What does that cost? What? I like the attitude on it. What is that? What, how, how much is that? Yeah, I'm not even building that it up. that service. I'm not even building it up. It was that aggressive because I felt so <laughs> judged by her. I'm like, well, you're in here too, motherfucker. What's your deal? I go, how much does that cost? And she goes, I can't. So she goes, I got to make sure you're not a cop. Yeah. Which I think is bullshit. It's all, I, think I think that's. I think that ask a hooker if she's a cop. She has to tell. Then what's undercover? Yeah, mean? exactly. No, it's, it, you're yeah. undercover with the mob for twenty years. And then oh, you never. I never asked you, Nick. Are you a cop? Like, ah, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, man, we had some good times over this last twenty years. <laughs> so I go. She's got to make sure you're not a cop. And I go, I'm not. And she goes, No, I got to touch your dick, which I thought was like an over the pants. Grab, which so this is her version of the sort of like smoke out of the bong, so we know you're not. Yeah, a cop. yeah, yeah. It's so like whip out of your dick, so I know you're not a cop. Yeah, like let me suck it, so you're not Jump Street. Yeah. So, I uh, I go, yeah, go ahead. I thought it was gonna be over the pants. She goes, no, I gotta reach down your pants. So I pull them out a little bit. Yeah. And she reaches down, and I was expecting more, just like a like a graze. Yeah. But she. I like you at every level. You expected so much less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at every stage of this, you were still shocked. I never at how the tranny in the porn store was behaving. <laughs> All right, you still didn't thought it was a chick. You didn't know yet. Still thought it was a chick. This is ex- uh, behavior I would expect from a tranny. <laughs> but from a chick in a porn store, maybe she's just trying to spice up a relationship. So. She reaches down my pants in an angle of wrist that I couldn't even guess. Like, yeah. like reaching down, and then she. So started, in that moment, you were impressed with the, her ability to reach into your pants at a. Certain no, angle? in that moment, I was embarrassed that my dick wasn't harder, and she was really grabbing just a nub, just a, <laughs> just a nub. You were, you were afraid you were disappointed. Yeah, I was like, oh, I wish this was a bigger dick. <laughs> to show this, I think, chick. <laughs> And she's pulling down, and she starts like very like, in like a sultry voice. She's like, "You'd like it? Do you love that?" And I was like, "Ah." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, how much does it cost?" And she goes, "Now you gotta touch me." And she lifted up her. She had like it was like a homeless person almost. Yeah. Like a woman who was wearing like a giant sweater with like a button-down shirt underneath. Yeah. And like a t-shirt under that with like. Bugs Bunny and Tasmanian Devil wearing Colorado Rockies jerseys backwards. This is all things only a guy would wear. Like right? <laughs> but I thought, you know, it was like a Tuesday. Yeah. What's she dressed but, up but, for? But clearly not a tranny who put any effort at all. No, no, no. Like a woman. So what made you think to begin with that she was a woman? She said it. <laughs> she had long hair. No beard. So, so okay. She's when someone so- says, I'm a woman, be suspicious. <laughs> when they say those oh, she words. Did, she, say, well, I, she just pretty much, she had that, the voice was kind of girly. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm just kind of like, it's when you're talking to someone you don't really don't want to talk to too much. So I'm just kind of giving them like the, oh, yeah, yeah, great. I kind of just wanted to get back to looking for keywords to Google later yeah. for porn. And she, uh, she goes, you got to touch my titty. Mm. Which, by the way, she touched my dick. I thought pussy would have been the fair trade. Yeah. Sure. But, you I know, think it yeah. turns out she was a dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but she... Uh, are you going to... Are we leading to you finding that out? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This wasn't like a later on the night. I was like, that was probably a dude. <laughs> there was confirmation. She goes... Uh, she goes, uh, you got to touch my titty. So she lifts up this... And just these awful... What I would describe similar to my tits. 
And she goes, you got to touch it. And they were so gross that I actually did like a half look away and just, I flicked it. Like, remember behind the door when you were a kid, the thing on a spring where you go, Brrr. I gave it one of those, just a, an away look there. Did it go, it's Brrr. official. No. <laughs> no, it didn't at all. It just stayed real firm. And I go, for the love of God, how much? <laughs> Let's get this I'm over even, with. I'm not even going to do it. Yeah. And uh, I feel like no one believed that. I wasn't going to do it. I go, how much? And she goes, uh, $50. And in my mind, I'm like, that's a lot because this chick is pretty fucking weird looking. And then I go, oh, so yeah, maybe later. I'm doing a show. I don't know why I'm telling my life so much. I'm doing a show and then I get paid. Maybe I'll swing. I'm not going to swing back. But uh, I go, maybe I'll come back. And so I just start going back to looking at porn, trying to get away from her now. And she starts following me, telling me how nice I am over and over. You're so yeah. nice. Aww. You're just so nice. Yeah. I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Thank-. And she goes, you're really nice. I should probably tell you what I am. And I was like, yeah, like a hooker. Like, I get that. <laughs> and she goes, no, no, no. And just, she just points to a box yeah. of porn. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why I was in this section. But she points <laughs> to a box. It's chicks with dicks. Yeah. And, she, and I look at her and I go, I, give it, I make that face of like, huh? And she just goes... <laughs> just an affirmative nod and I know I think a lot of guys like talk they have the conversation about that possibly happening to them Yeah. and most dudes especially when I was younger I remember it's like oh I wish I'd knock that motherfucker out and kick Ugh, him in his dick that's bad. it's not what I, I giggled I looked at my watch like that meant something and I just fucking jogged out of the store started jogging in the store <laughs> I was like, ha you, oh, and I just, <laughs> Jay Okerson, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, so how are we going to do it now? Do you have anything else? Do you have? No. Okay. <laughs> Seth Myers has no questions about getting your dick touched by a tranny. I do. I will say I, I'm happy that she was in a porn store when she could point at a box because there was so many times where there's nothing to point at. Right. Yeah. And they just she have to, to like, say yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Or just take it out. Right. That's probably why she hangs out there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of them. I guess she could have pointed at her own <laughs> dick and gave like a whatever shoulder. So like, mm-hmm. <laughs> My next guest is Tig here. Oh, awesome. Uh, one of the best comedians in the country, and, and I, I love seeing her, and she, you know her. I, I'm not good at intros. Tig Notaro, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Hello. How are you doing? Let me give you a microphone. Here, over here. We touched Jay. Okay. <laughs> you can sit right here. Don't go too far away. I, it's I just a weird setup. Is my mic on? Yeah. Okay. It's, how are you? I'm good. How I haven't seen you? you in a long time. I know. A lot has, a lot has happened. What happened? I, I heard things. Yeah, things happened. <laughs> how are you? I'm good. Health is good? Health is good. I'm in remission, and I'm... Congratulations. Very, thank you. That's amazing. Feels good. Do you like? Can I uh, let's let's talk about it a little bit since I brought it up. Sure. Um, do you do you feel a responsibility now to talk about it a lot? The cancer. Um, <laughs> I don't. I mean, I feel. You know, it's not a responsibility. I feel lucky. Right. That um, I went through everything that I went through, and what I realized was that I was the perfect person to go through everything I went through. Really? Just because I had money saved, I had work ahead of me, I had friends and family, mm-hmm. and I, I just had options. I had health insurance, and going through everything that I did, you know, twice I thought I was going to die from two different... Um, Illnesses. What was the first one? That, uh, that it's w- called C. diff. Yeah. And um, it's a bacteria that eats your digestive tract. Oh and I was hospitalized and I lost 20 pounds. And, and it was a very, you know, nobody knows what that is. So it was a very isolating, I guess I'm dying, you right, know? Right, right. And, uh, and it just was, uh, I don't know, getting through all of that. And then getting cancer, everybody knows what that is. So they... They, they're like, we oh, understand yeah, we, we understand what cancer <laughs> yeah, yeah. is. And, yeah. um, but C. diff is, is not as well known. And, um, but going through that, I just feel so lucky 
to have made a positive impact and that I can uh, just to be helpful in any way that I right, can. Sure, it, yeah. It's not a responsibility. It's just, it's more that like people also ask if I'm bummed that I'm associated with that or with cancer. Yeah. Just, you know, <laughs> a lot of people keep it under wraps and, and don't right, come right. out about it. And, yeah. and, um, uh, but I, I feel I feel lucky. I just I feel lucky that I'm tied to ultimately a positive thing. Yeah, and anytime you talk about it, especially your story, people are like, "Oh, it makes you know people who are going through it or people who have family members going through it. Mm-hmm. They it's very in, empowering, and it's a great story. And and even people that aren't going through cancer, they're they're going through other things. They will. <laughs> <laughs> you all have it. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's only a matter of time. About ninety percent of you. Okay, deal with it. But yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's a I'm I'm in a really good place, and I feel I feel nothing but lucky. Whereas I really felt tremendously unlucky for that's, a well, long that's interesting. time. You're like, oh my god, why me? Fuck this. Well, it wasn't why me. It was just I know you know odds and random mm-hmm. things that happen in the world. I was like, wow, it's happening to me. Yeah, yeah. The odds are not in my favor. <laughs> right. At all right now, you know. Did you and, have any any moments where when you had it like um like was there a, outside of being lucky, was there a life change did you decide make decisions like all right, from here on out I'm going to do this or from here on out like did you was there a change that happened in your brain? Was there an appreciation of things that changed or anything like that? Well, I always tell people that I I'm I feel like such a weird person for this to have happened to because I don't think anyone in my my life would have said, "You know who needs a serious wake-up call?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we should probably, you know, if only Tig could get cancer and her mother could trip and die and she could get, you know, like go through a breakup like that's who needs it is yeah. Tig because before that I was I was a relatively happy right. I was okay with my career I wasn't yeah. you know I was, I was fine uh-huh. um, but after everything happened it was just it, it all I can really say is I just feel a little more keenly aware of things and um, but only a little more. Oh, you're not like, I've never tasted food so good. None of that kind of stuff. Um, I do that all the time anyway. Like anytime <laughs> I eat, I'm like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. Right, right. Um, but no, it, it's, it, I, there is a weird feeling of um, sometimes I feel like I'm hovering in situations. And you can fly now? A little bit, yeah. While I'm eating and spilling food on people, you just find yourself a couple. <laughs> oh my of god! Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, no, I feel like I'm hovering sometimes in moments where I there's so much that I went through that it gives me this very bizarre perspective on life, and where I just am like, everything is going to be okay, even if it's not okay. <laughs> It's okay. It has to be, it right? It has to be. And so you just, there is, there were so many times, I, I, in four months, I had to keep surrendering to the situations that happened in my life. And, and um, I, I had pneumonia, then I had C. diff. My mother tripped and died. I went through a breakup and then was diagnosed with cancer. And it was all in four months. And it was just, you have to surrender and and then you have to be okay with surrendering, and as opposed to going like fuck no. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's a waste of time. You ha- if the quicker that you can get to surrendering, yeah, to reality uh-huh. and living in reality, it 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 brings acceptance and happiness in in a way that. You can't if you're screaming the whole way. It, there's a time and place to scream, and you know people always use the word uh, uh, bravery as yeah. soon as you're diagnosed with cancer. And I remember, you know, my mother had just died, and I'd just gone through a breakup and just gotten out of the hospital. I was like, you know, they're like, you have cancer, also. And I was like, great. <laughs> Oh my god! I was just like in fetal position, just bravely like in fetal position, crying. Yeah, I just and I kept thinking, you know, if the military was just like, okay, we're down one, we need someone, we need a real brave one, you know, they barge into my place, and then I'm like, me? No, 
I, I'm, I'm real down and out right now. No, you're brave, man. Come on, we, we need you on the front lines. Okay, but I want my mother. Um, so I didn't feel brave, but um, I was actually talking to Louie about yeah. the idea of bravery, and, and he was just talking about how, you know, it's, it's not about not feeling scared. It's yeah. about, you know, the capacity to, to get through with fear. Right. And, and, uh, and Louis said that? Mm-hmm. He was probably paraphrasing Churchill or somebody. <laughs> Louis, was always, Louis was one of these guys, well, he'll, he'll read a book on Teddy Roosevelt and somehow apply it to his eating. Like, you know, he, he's, like this, he's got this amazing facility. Like, I just read a huge book on Winston Churchill and I need to walk more. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> He's fascinating like that, but well, it was helpful for me because it was—I was always so embarrassed when Mm -hmm. people would call me brave because I thought if you guys could see me in the reality of my life, I—I don't think I would be mistaken for brave. (laughs) But did you at a point get through that? Like I imagine there's like a panic that happens, and then like like yes, there is. But when you say surrender to it, was that sort of, was it a choice? I mean, were, were you sort of like, I've, I can't, this is what it is, and it's going to go one way or the other. Well, and it's choosing to live in reality, mm, you know? Yeah. It's, it's um, or you can, if you don't accept your reality, you can go into this anger and this, I think, stunted and stagnant place. Right. And so there is a choice where you have to go. You know, I had a double mastectomy as well, and and you know, I, I have just scars now across my chest, and I that was hard to accept. I, I could have had reconstructive surgery, but I, my chest was barely anything to begin with. So I was just like, "Come on, who are we fooling well, yeah. here?" So you didn't take that opportunity to go look what I got. Yeah, yeah. These are new. Yeah, porn jugs. <laughs> But you thought about it. I, I did. I, I really thought <laughs> yeah. about it. But no, there's there's a lot of um, there's a choice in surrendering. You yeah. know, it doesn't always come naturally. Was there I, is there a spiritual element to it or just a, a practical element to it? For me, it's practical. I'm yeah. not a religious or even I don't consider myself even spiritual. I just you know I feel like okay, the odds are bad and this is rough and. Oh boy! What, was, was it? But there's a, is there ever a moment where it's sort of like you know, are we done? Did am I done? Did, can I have a break now? Well, yeah. I mean, it's. <laughs> I, I mean, I certainly, even though to me there was no real God that I was talking to, I did reflect a lot, and I put out a CD that um, I talked about in the live show about that phrase that everybody says: "If God never gives you more than you can handle." <laughs> And I just remember, you know, not only, Tig, do you have breast cancer, it's in both breasts, you know. It it was both, like, you know, and and just thinking about God, God never gives you more than you can handle? Like, never. (laughs) To me, like, the point that I had reached, I was so on my knees in life and beaten down. I just, you know, who, what sicko is up there going, "Eh, I think she can handle more. (laughs) No, we can throw another thing on. And the, the angel's going, God, no, what are you doing? No, 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 I never give them more than can handle. I know when to stop. I know what when to stop. What kind of God stop. would do that? Yeah, right. so, but there were moments where I was, I was thinking about that through, you know, that whole process. And, and just, uh, I wasn't really talking to or thinking right. there was a God, but I just thought, if you do believe in God, like, what... It was, it was it was tough like that, that would complicate things yeah i'll just surrender and and, and deal with reality i'm not gonna drag yeah. god into this yeah. now yeah well i think that whole thing you know god never gives anyone anything they can't handle is the same thing as you know it has to be okay mm-hmm. it's just a it's for god people mm-hmm. yeah like you know it has to be okay because that's reality and people who are like well if there's a god well he didn't give you anything it's the same thing i think it's yeah. a faith thing mm-hmm. well I'm, I'm glad you're okay and it's great I'm to too. see you it's great to see you as Take well Tignataro ladies and gentlemen you want to move down yeah Seth anything uh nothing for Tig and I'm a little ashamed to say I have like seven questions I came up with for Jay <laughs> 
Well, I think I'll just do let's the, hold I'll on just to do it. Them after. Let's it hold seems on. weird to go back to it after. <laughs> after that, yeah. yeah. We don't want to go back to the porn store. Yeah. But, okay. Is <laughs> <laughs> a hell of a transition to begin with. I think we did a good job. I think we. No, I think, I think we did. things. Sometimes when God hands you a shit deal, <laughs> you got to giggle, look at your watch, and run out of that store, <laughs> and go home and try to wash the left-handed man prints off your dick. Is that I mean, similar? To you know, it's a yeah. metaphor. But <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Jay. Uh, <sighs> my next guest is uh, is like the 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 new uh, global rock star of comedy from South Africa. Please welcome Trevor Noah to the stage. <laughs> How are you, my friend? I think you're on. Very good. There Thank you, you go. Hi. Hi. Do, you all, do you know everybody? It's Tig, uh, Seth, I'm Jay. Fam- I'm familiar. I've worked with Jay. I, pleasure to meet How you. How was that for you, you, the working with Jay? It was fantastic. Yeah? He's, uh, he's very was it good for you, Jay? Hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's nice to meet you. Thank you very much. And uh, to be here. It's, uh, everybody's very excited about your arrival in the world. <laughs> yeah. No, I've, I've heard so much about, about your story, and it's something that I don't... I got, I'm going to have to come at you right from the beginning of things because I, I, I honestly am a, a, I don't know a lot about South Africa. Okay. That's, and, that's most people. Yeah. Well, good. So I'm not a moron. No, no. no I just know at American. some point. Right. <laughs> not in a bad way. It's just it's Americans, I've learned this, don't know much about like, the world. Look, I was told I wasn't. <laughs> it's just a thing. Okay. I, I can take it. Because you're right, you're right. But I, I do remember being concerned, and I remember when I, you know, was, I was like 19, I was told never to play Sun City. But I had no job then, so it was not really an issue for me. So I, I was, my awareness was raised by that album. <laughs> so I, don't, I know apartheid's bad. Yes. Yeah, it, it was a, a horrible situation, but I don't think anybody, American or not American, can really understand what you grew up in. What was the situation? Well, apartheid was, was uh, it's perfect racism. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, it's a model that was uh, formulated over many years where, where a group of men said, how do we create the perfect racism? Uh, you know, the, that, so they, that was on the board? That was literally, that, <laughs> was, them, that was them brainstorming. Yeah. And so they Hitler tra- did his they thing, but we're going to take... Yeah, they yeah. traveled the world. They went to places like Australia, looked at their racism with the aboriginals. <laughs> they, they went and looked at... The, the, the word apartheid is a Dutch word. It's, it's never been translated, in fact. And, um, and it really is. It's, in fact, it, you could even say that it is like apart, apart hate. That's what it is. You, you separate people into smaller groups, making them hate one another so that you can run all of them. And that's what apartheid was. So, like, white people were on top, based, like, like everywhere in the world. But, like, in this case, it was um, everyone was separated into their different tribes, different colors, different groups, and then those people had nothing. So everybody lived in this world. But, but the, the key thing is... Um, black people are the majority in South Africa. So, you know, like in America with slavery and everything, the slaves, the black people were the minorities. But in South Africa, these people, a small group, were controlling everybody. They were running it. And the, the, the genius of apartheid is you're convincing people that they stand no chance. It's they, a big mind fuck. Yeah, basically it is. And, when, and, and how, did you, uh, how did you grow up? You're, you're, you're mixed race. Yes, I'm, I'm mixed race. Um, I grew up, uh, I'm, my mother's a black woman, Hossa woman yeah. from South Africa. Uh, my father's Swiss from Switzerland. So, so they got together like, during, this, during this time. There was like an underground movement where people would hang out. Like a um, swingers club? No, no, no. <laughs> no, thank you for putting my parents in the swingers club, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for calling my country retards. (laughs) And so, touche. And uh, that's fitting for Montreal. I uh, no, it was it was there was just there was basically an underground movement. They always there always are underground movements in every country where these things are happening, where people just don't agree. With the status but but you're talking underground in the sense like the, the, the Greenwich Village in the late 60s? I guess where, so, yes. Like, yes, but, yes. So it wasn't like literally you know, there was a secret handshake and there no, was a no, special No, no, room. no, 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 no. Okay. It, was, it was just just people who didn't agree with the law. Right. Lots of them were foreigners. Um, but but there, were just, there, was, there were many black people who didn't understand why this was the way it was. And there were many white people who went, this is ridiculous. You right. know? So, so they would hang out with one another. And then that's where my parents met. 
and um, they they did their thing, and you know. And when you were growing up, I mean, like, how was it? Because you couldn't grow up in an underground club. No, no, no. You so I mean, on a day to day basis, from your earliest memories, what what was? Wow, my earliest memories. I my I remember my mom. Because um, we, we couldn't live in the city. Yeah. Black people couldn't live in the cities. That was just not allowed. But where did they live? Um, you, you lived on the outskirts, like very far out. There were townships, like, uh, like ghettos, right. you know, the slums. So everyone lived there if you were black. And then white people lived in the city. So black people, you had like a day pass. So you come in for the day, you work, and then you leave. And then if you were hardcore, you stayed behind and danced underground. Right. That's, that's what you're doing. So, so we would come in, and then my, my, my parents couldn't live together. So they, they came up with weird schemes. I don't know why we never just moved to Switzerland, to be honest. I don't know. I've asked this question many times, and my mom just, she, she just didn't think of it as an option. What about your dad? And uh, he just, he's, he's Swiss-German. He just thinks the whole world is stupid. He just... No, I'm being genuine. He like Germany is already efficient, but Swiss is, is clinically efficient. He just so he just doesn't see. He he couldn't see the discomfort that he was living in. No, no, he just thought everyone was stupid. He he basically fig- he thought someone f- would figure it out sooner or later. I think he just figured he'd wait it out. That's what he thought. Sure. He just sat there going, "They'll figure it out sooner or later. They can see it's wrong." And it's like after ten years, he was like, "Oh, any any time now, any time now." And then he just waited it out, and. Is he still around? Yeah, yeah, he is. So he I is, guess, yeah. can, does he now say, see, I told you. Yeah, he's basically, <laughs> no, no, but now he's the opposite. Now he's like, now it's time to leave. Now it's time to leave. This, this country's <laughs> going to country's gonna blow up soon. It's going, you know, so, um, so, it's, it's, so we couldn't live together. So they, they came up with weird schemes. Um, like my mom, my mom, through my dad, rented the apartment next door to his. And then, but then it was still under his name, so he had the the, the, the lease on both places. Okay. But then she would dress up and act like his maid, but not like a French maid. Nothing sexy about this. Like a cleaner, like a slave. Like, no practical you know, maid. Practical maid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no fantasies, and and so she would she would act like his maid. So when the police would come knocking, yeah. And she would open the door and she'd be like, you know, oh no, the white man's not here. Oh, he's not here today, and you know. But then I would have to hide. Because if they saw me, then they'd be like, whoa, who's that? Because you can't go, this is the white man's kid, because they'd be like, that's not a white kid. And then the jig would be up, basically. Um, was that illegal, though? I mean, was yes, there a threat? extremely like, illegal. So if they found you, they would have taken you? No, no, no. They, they just arrested my mom. They arrested her many times. Then I would, I would stay with my grand. My mom would be in, the, in jail for the weekend. Just for, because she had you? Yes. Like, it would just be... Well, they didn't, they didn't register me as South African. My birth certificate says I'm from Swaziland. Because they, they didn't, like, when I was born, then the doctors were just like, <laughs> So they, genuinely, they were just like, oh, this is, this is awkward. Um, and so they just, and then they wrote, and, and in South Africa, they label everything on your birth certificate. Well, they used to. So they wouldn't just go, they wouldn't just go, Mark Maron, and then American. They go, Mark Maron, American, white, and then they'll list your, your, your tribe, and are you Irish, or are you, you get what I'm saying? I do. So, they so, break it down. Yeah, yeah that's so, it. But I did, so they, on mine, they just they didn't say I was Tasa, which technically I am, and they didn't say I was Swiss, which they would not allow. They just said, oh, he's from another country, he's from another country. <laughs> They're lighter there. And... Uh, and so that's, that's, that's what I had. And then they just didn't write my father's name in. But, but growing up, I mean, there, there were other mixed race people. I mean, weren't there in the community or at no, the school? No, you see, this is the weird thing in South Africa. This is, this is how efficient apartheid was. So we have different levels of mixed people. So in, in South Africa, I'm technically referred to as colored. That's what they call me. They call I'm a colored person. It's not a derogatory term at all. What happened was when the first slave ships arrived and, you know, when, when everyone was fornicating with the natives, these children were born, the mixed children. But then they, they just segregated them into groups. So if you were mixed, then you were sent off to be with more mixed people. And then you were sent off, and the more mixes were... So you were just shipped off to the mix. So during apartheid, families were separated because of the color of their skin. Like if you as Mark yeah. had a white woman as your wife, and you gave birth to a child that looked like me, and let's say just, it just happened sometimes. Not, sure. not even like no shenanigans I, I or anything. I, yeah, I don't know who my great-great-grandfather exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. And you, your kid came out darker. There yeah. were instances where the government would go, that kid is not white. And then you, you'd, you'd fight it, but then they'd go, your kid's not white. And your kid would have to go live in a non-white area. That's horrendous. So some families 
would make the sacrifice. They'd go, okay, fine, we will live a second-class lifestyle. But some were so ridiculous, they were just like, well, good luck, kid. And then, <laughs> no, genuine, and then to send the kids off. So families were broken apart on many levels. And you weren't, though? You were, no, no, no. I, I went with my, I, I took the knock. I went to the black side. I, uh, I could have gone to a better place, but I'm not that kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> so that was considered a better place, the mixed place? Yes, the be- yes. So there yes, was actually... The light, it, literally, the lighter you got, the better things got for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm being dead serious. Like, the darker you were, the worse things were. They, they, they did crazy things. Like, if they weren't certain if you were, if you were white or not, if you were olivish or Greek or that, then they, they would conduct experiments to make sure that you were white. And one was the pencil test, where they would put a pencil in your hair, and then if the pencil fell out, then you were white. And then if the pencil stayed in your hair, then you were black. And they were like, goodbye. It's very scientific. Yes, yes. So, so till this day, the hair thing is, is still like people are, oh, look at you, good hair, that's great hair. That's, uh, that's, that hair will keep you out of trouble, my friend. That hair will, you know, and some people just keep their hair short because they're like, I don't ever want to find out. I just don't want to, you know. So some so people have a lifelong fear of pencils. Yeah. <laughs> so so this, this, this was the world that people, so, so I grew up in a world where there was nobody, literally nobody like me in my area. I grew up in Soweto. And this was just black. It was just black. My family black. Everyone around me black. There was nobody who looked like me. How, how did that play out? Did they bully you? No, they, 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 no, they were just... It's, 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 it's a strange thing I've noticed everywhere in the world. But when you go to a place where nobody wants to live there, nobody treats you weird for being there. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no one yeah. goes, hey, like, what are you doing here? Yeah. It's, You're it's, all stuck in the same shit. It's a shithole, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so people, it's, really, it's, it's less, what are you doing here tomorrow? What are you doing here? It's, it's that. It's, it's them going, why would you want to be here? Did you not see your skin color? You've, you've got a VIP tag. Why are, you, why are you in the main section? Go to Golden Circle. Have a good time. That's, that's what they're thinking. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, and so people welcomed me. You know, I, I learned the language. I, was, I knew I was different, yeah. but it was, a, it was a good life. I enjoyed it. And did you, are, where, where is your citizenship now? Still South Africa. Still. So, and when you tour with this story, do you find that most people are shocked and amazed at then that they didn't realize the depth yeah, of it? Yeah, people always go, oh, "We didn't know it was that bad." <laughs> yeah, but yeah. people say it like they, w- they would have done more to help. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> oh, we we didn't know. We yeah, didn't we- know. <laughs> we did. Is it is still like because we can come now? We can. <laughs> We can come now, Trevor. We can, we can come. You're like, no, it's done. It's fine. Do I it's just fine. write you a check? Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's, um, look, a lot of people didn't. And that's, that's what made the apartheid government so brilliant is even the way they traded. Like Reagan was a fan of apartheid. Sure. He, was, he, was he a tried to fan. do it here, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but it's through economic policy. But that's, but that's Reagan was a fan. Like he would meet with our government and he was just, he was like, how do you do it? You're so amazing. And they would explain it to him. And Margaret Thatcher was, was sure. a fan. She was like, well, I see how this works. This yeah. is this is quite nice I, yeah I understand all of this and that's like a lot of a lot of governments were a lot more lenient towards apartheid than they'd have you believe right but because underneath it was you, we don't you pay nothing to get these resources exactly you exactly. can pull this gold like, and these diamonds yeah like, how, how do you do it so how cheaply do do it? yeah and, and a lot of governments were intrigued by this so so they just they just carried on you know and then and then the South African government they, they their PR was fantastic they would say things I remember one speech uh, I think it was Hendrik Favut he was the, the architect of apartheid and he said said the most fantastic thing he said he's uh, the, the bbc was interviewing him and he said uh, they said but don't you think what you're doing to the black people is really bad uh, you know the way you're treating them the way you the way you treat and he said he said you must understand the the native does not have the ability to govern himself were it not for the white men he would be spearing his brother they would be stabbing one another and hunting lions we have introduced them to the future and we keep them safe. And that's what he said. It's fucking horrendous. And so the other governments were like, yeah, well, I guess you are. I guess you are. And, and, but, but people there were like, is he out of his fucking mind? Yeah, well, people just, you know, and then um, I guess over, over time, you know, you know what I believe, over time, no matter how great an evil is, sooner or later, like the people will, you, you, will, you will defeat it. Evil can't last it. You know what I mean? It's, sure, it's sure. Just, it nature to... doesn't allow the thing to happen. So it, it was bound to end. Um, I'm just glad it ended when it did because I was on the cusp. You know, I always say I was very lucky in that I feel like if I lived longer in apartheid, I may have had a lot more anger and hatred. Like my grandfather wasn't a hateful man, but he had not seen a world. Like he called me master, mm-hmm. my own grandfather. Mm-hmm. He, he would never refer to me as Trevor or grandson. Or He was just like, master, where would you like to go? And we would be there in our little Volkswagen Beetle and he would drive me. He wouldn't let me sit in the front with him because he was like, the white man sits in the back seat. 
And I was like, I'm not white. And he was like, very well, master. <laughs> I was like this. But this is my own grandfather. Never, never treated me the same. So he'd take and you to ice cream and you'd be in the back yeah, you know, yeah, eating your ice cream by genuinely. yourself. Genuinely. He was just, he did not believe that I was the same. Um, so, so the, you know, to be entrenched in a system like that, I was lucky that I was on the cusp as I, as yeah. I formed apartheid end at Nelson Mandela's president. Now I, I see the best of both worlds. I, you know, I, I appreciate what we've gone through, but I, I also remember what happened. So it's a, it's a good balance, I feel. Well, it's great to meet you. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Trevor Noah. Thank you very much. All right. I know we're a little late, but we're all right. We're all right. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be done by five after. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the amazing Eddie Izzard to the stage. Nice to see you. Yeah, he should come up and give me the sign that we have five left. I'm going to interrupt Trevor in the middle of this declaration about, you know, whatever. So, yeah, it's good. I'm glad everything worked out for you. Anyways, <laughs> sound like you had a tough time down there. This next guy. Hi, Eddie. Hi. Now, you guys know each other. I was told yeah. before that you have some sort of competition going on. Myself and Eddie? Yes, oh, about not, German. Not a, comp- not a competition. Oh, no, the, ge- no, no, the German, German Well, we're trying to learn German. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, we're both learning German. We might as well compete with each other on that. Because his, his dad is Swiss German. But if you learn Swiss German, that's a bonkers German, isn't it? Yeah, but it's yeah. a very restrictive German. Because even learn- the Swiss Germans don't all speak Swiss. Just one third of Could the Could you do this country. in German, please? You've got to understand that before 33, the Germans were just another imperialist country. We were all invading. No, I know, people I know, but there. a lot of things you know, happened, Eddie. You know, no, 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 no. Follow my logic on this. Before okay. 33, it was just Germany. Hitler kidnapped a country for 12 yes, years, right. and then since 45, they've tried to be an exemplary nature yes, and yes. do that. So for 12 years, they went batshit crazy, right. and um, people bought into this. This is the, what I think on politics. I'm going into politics in seven years, you're so that's my thing. Politics? And I think he should go into politics, actually. You're, you're going to go into politics. I am going. I've, I've announced this years ago. Yeah. So I, I'm doing a seven-year run-up. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's just the longest run-up <laughs> in the Is this the beginning history. of the campaign? It is. I'm campaigning okay. every second of the day. Um, but, but my point was... Well, I've lost my point now. About Germany, point? about 12 yeah, years. Yes, that shit crazy. The point was that um, Hitler kidnapped the country yeah. and extremists... It's really not left and right politics. It's more center and extremes. And extremist politics has, has a beguiling politics because it's so simplistic. Just do this and everything will be fine. Right. In, in Britain at the moment, we've got a thing of leave European Union. There's some people pushing the extreme right which to leave European Union and everything will be fine. And that's not how politics works. Actually, politics is very complex in the center and people get bored by the complexity and they want simple, simple answers. So what you have to do in the center is you you have to make a decision and really go for it because it is so difficult to balance all these things. Okay, so where do we lead these people? No, it's just not where you lead the people. You, you know that the center is where it is, but you just have to, if you get in and you are in the leadership of a country or a position or mayor yeah. or whatever, you just need to be bold with the ideas and go forward and, on them and rather than, than zip a bound and go, hang on, we, we'll try. No, actually, I'm not sure. If you prevaricate, if you're indecisive, then everyone in the public just goes, oh, come on, do something because something is better than not doing anything. But, no also, but there has to be some resistance to the simplistic, fascistic mode. Well, that's us in the center. The majority, right. 80% of the world, maybe 90% of the world is around center, left, center, Do you right. find that a lot of times if people in a country are okay, they're, they, they're apathetic? Like if enough people in our country are like, nah, it's it's, it seems shitty, but I'm all right that they detach from the actual political process. Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of people do because it's, it's so dry. Politics is really dry. I mean, how many people have watched a political discussion where someone says, I'm for this and X, Y, Z, and then someone says, I'm against it by ABC, and they go, X, Y, Z, no ABC, no X, Y, Z, no ABC. People go, well, I can see a bit of X, I can see a bit of B, and it's, uh, let's watch The Simpsons. And, uh, and that's what happens. So it, it's a tricky old process, but I'm getting in because I hate the right wing. And that's why I'm going to politics. But is this, a, is this the announcement? Did no, you just make an announcement? I announced so many times. I've, I've, been, I've, been on, I've t- told people. People know this. You've told, you've told yeah, many everyone people. Everyone knows this. We You're know, way behind know. the curve. I know because I'm from America. No. The, um, 
No, it's it's okay because see, America under Bush, everyone. This is a weird thing. When a leader comes in, everyone thought that people thought like Bush. The outside America, everyone thought, hey, everyone thinks like Bush. And of course, then Barack Obama gets in and says, no, everyone thinks like Barack Obama. That is the weird thing about when you're outside countries. Right, but a lot of us knew when Bush was in office that he did. He kidnapped the country. And, yes, and, he and executed on that, his on agenda. That false election. Yeah, uh, the win, false election. Yeah. But he was a, a puppet for some very evil fuckers. Well, he was a puppet for another bunch of puppets, I think. Yeah, it was the Muppets running the country. Yeah, some very dangerous Muppets. I think Animal could have run it a lot better. But, but, but let's talk about the Royals for a second because I don't understand that. So you're talking about politics, and then you have the, a global excitement over a child. I don't even know the kid's name. Well, I'm detached from it. Yeah, it's I don't know what it's called. Um, you don't know the um, name either. No, I'm not into it. It's, What's the kid's name? Uh, Hereditary monarchy. Steve. What is it? It's George? Steve. That's pretty hacky. It's going to be called Steve. You're going to call it Steve? I don't see why not. <laughs> now, um, but the point is, America, it's interesting. You had a revolution, you're against monarchy, against monarchy, but when monarchy turns up and is pretty, you go bananas over monarchy. That is the but curious thing. You mean thing. if the outfits are exciting? No, or? just if the people are pretty. Okay. So if monarchy turns up and it's not desperately pretty, you go, hey, it's monarchy, that's kind of weird. But if the monarchy turns up and they're Prince William or if they're Princess Diana, America like, oh, goes insane. We're against monarchy, but you're pretty monarchy. Yeah. We go batshit bananas. But, but in your Heart, do you have any you know, connection to the Queen? And to no, the... no. Did I, you? Did I you? want democratic monarchy. No, I. Well, I mean, it, you know, it's a, it's a soap opera that goes on and 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 on. Yeah, yeah. And it's when hereditary privilege and people are bowing and scraping. Oh, you know, I just don't believe in it. It's just not good. It's not a good example for kids. You see, hereditary privilege. You're just born and you get given a lot of cash and everyone fates you and dines you and wines you and gives you awards. You know, because they get medals and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just weird. I mean, when, when I see William and Kate, I think, fine, they've done a good relationship. They split up. They got back together again. Great. As human beings, let's judge them as human beings. So I want them to have a good baby. I, have, I hope the baby's a wise baby and, and do, goes up and does some positive things. William's tried to do that. Harry's tried to do that. Harry's screwed up a few times, but he's still trying to be human. <laughs> Charlie's tried to do that. Liz and Phil don't. Liz and Phil just sit there. <laughs> And sit there, and sit there, and sit there. And I, I just not into sitting there. I'm into doing something, having a go. I mean, I am a tranny. I should mention the thing. Uh, you, are you thing. offended by that word? Well, I don't know. Some pe- some transvestites are. Um, did you I'm, know I'm that he exec- had a dick, Jay? I, yeah, no, hang on, I hang on. Let me finish this thing before yeah. you interrupt. But I'm an executive transvestite because it is interesting because some people think, oh, transvestite, that's just on the periphery. It's in the porn world or it's in a prostitution world. But I was, when I first came out, I was I trying remember. to carve the fact that there are executive transvestites. Well, I'm going to make it up. And now I'm an action transvestite because I run marathons. But, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of people who are transgender and out there and are pushing strongly to try and catch up with where lesbian and gay rights are. And then there are some people in the pornography business. So, but you still consider yourself a transvestite? Well, I, I, I am. I'm genetically am. They will find the genes for gay, lesbian, and transgender. They're in there. I'm a straight transvestite. I don't know why. There is no God, uh, <laughs> as you were saying. No, it's, if there was a God, is he out there going, oh, the rich guy, yeah, he can live forever. But that poor, it doesn't make any sense. If it's random, if you put random in, unless the God was the God random, who went, hey, B, <laughs> that D, is the God. Yeah. F. The God random is the only one who should be worshipped, because that's what's going on. So you've been touring the, the Eastern Bloc, and I don't, I don't, like, I don't, I'm not a, an international traveler, not because I'm a dumb American, just because I, I, I don't do it much. But I, I, I have no idea what comedy could be like there. What, what is your experience? It's going been? great. You you played Germany, didn't you, in English? Yes, yes. I yeah, have. and that was great. Fantastic. East Germany? Yeah, yeah Ge- no, no, West. Okay. Well, it's just Germany, Germany now. It's just Germany. I know. We're, as an American, you that. have caught up with all this. Yeah. No, I am caught up with it, but I have to assume that the sort of the the remnants of whatever order was in place at the no, time there's, is still, there's, there's no still real there. remnants. It's no, just, none. The eastern side of East Berlin do speak more, less English. Than the western side That's that it. is your difference uh-huh. uh, and now they're getting on f- f- i mean it's, it's it's germany they were people who were kidnapped but um by this guy but anyway i just played in in moscow in st petersburg in belgrade in in romania in berlin uh, vienna and istanbul and it's really cooking in english so I, if you're american comedians try and get over there because it is amazing and they're desperate to have stuff over there and they've been learning english since the wall came down so it's great and we're talking in the in the dressing room about about french people being upset about subtitles and about there's a new generation of yes, kids. Yes, new generation of kids coming in and they told me they told me to tell Louis C.K. could he put French subtitles on because they just want to get the finessing of his stand-up, which they're listening to in English. And also they said, to, can you tell Hollywood that they, and anyone from Hollywood, please, they want to listen to stuff in uh, English, in American English, uh, with, with French subtitles rather than dubbed. So if you can pipe stuff into 
France as well that is actually the original stuff with subtitles they would like to, to get so that so they can piece it together themselves. well they want to hear the original right. artistic uh, interpretation these are kids who are just breaking through in France right. and it's weird I'm 51 but I'm just breaking through with the 20 to 30 year olds because I've started again in France but you do your act in French there tous les spectacles en français maintenant je suis ici j'ai fait des spectacles ici à Montréal en français aussi en anglais en français and Gad Elmaleh yesterday who's one of the he's the Jerry Seinfeld of France he just did his first gig in English here it's blown his mind open I just talked to him today we're trying to work out how to get him into do to about I think he needs to do three months in London um, but uh, there's Germans Michael Mittermeier he's playing in in Britain he's one of the top stand-ups in Germany in English in English uh, the Russians are coming um, I just played in Russians they are coming they're going to the Edinburgh Festival I think next year there's more French there's a guy called Yassine Bell who's is here who is sitting at the back he's going to be playing um, uh, Edinburgh Festival next year in English and he's learning his English and trying to expand his show to so, do it. so when you do it in French show it's, it, it, you, it's sort of a challenge to, to find the groove I no mean, it's the same groove exactly the it's same. the same groove but mainstream see if a mainstream French comedian they couldn't move around they'd be making it's the references right. I do universal references I actually block making jokes about very national references now I just talk about you can talk about cats, dogs, haircuts supermarkets um, airplanes, uh, airplanes uh, your leg fell off um, yeah. Um, you know, health problems. You can talk about all this stuff. You just can't say, I was watching Coronation Street, which is so popular in Britain, and I was thinking about John Major, an ex-MP, and I was eating the Curly Whirly, which is kind of a candy sweet thing that you do. You, if you do those, they go, well, what is that? But right. if you just said, I was eating the Kit Kat, and I was thinking about old prime ministers, and I was watching a soap opera, they go, oh, yeah, soap opera's great. They so find the universal language. Universal. If we go universal, we can tour like bands, and bands are playing all over the place in English, but we can, you can do it in English, but you can also do it in languages as well. And then if you change your language, it does blow your mind. All right, go universal. Eddie Izzard, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Andy, real quick, buddy. This is Andy Kindler. Andy Kindler is going to be doing his performance in a few minutes. Here, let me throw him this mic. Grab a mic, Andy. Okay, I just want to say I love to watch uh, you two, especially during this situation. Unbelievable. Stunned and uh, confused. Now, look. I love how atheists uh, say there is no God when they couldn't possibly know that. Also, I'll be doing... There's no scientific uh, proof of anything. Anyway, I will be doing my act in Yiddish uh, coming up in uh, Swah Swahili. And uh, I hope everybody here... The speech is going to be great. I'm hilarious. Uh, Mark is responsible for my whole career. I'm hoping you stay, Seth. No pressure. Hoping you stay. You really should. Good night! Andy Kindler, that's our show. Eddie Izzard, Trevor Noah, Tignatero, Seth Myers, Big J, Okerson. Thank you for listening to WTF. This has been the WTF from the Montreal Just for Laughs Comedy Fest. I love you all. Boomer lives. <laughs> <laughs>